Hey, Bitch Talkers, this is Erin. We have a really special interview for you. But before we get to that, we are going to be at Cobb's Comedy Club this Sunday, September 8th. We are helping to promote the really funny comedians who happen to be women's show featuring Irene Two, Natasha Muse, Sandy Steck. It's hosted by Chelsea Bierce, plus more. And we're going to be there podcasting beforehand, not in front of everyone, just in the green room. And uh, But we'll be there. We'll say hi. You guys should come through. Um, support your local comedians and podcasters. You can find those tickets at CobbsComedyClub.com. We'll hang out, have drinks afterwards. Uh, it starts at 7.30. You have to be 18 plus to come in. And uh, please come. It's going to be a fun time. We're super stoked to do this. So um, don't forget you can find us at BitchTalkPodcast.com. You can find us at BFF.FM every Monday morning from 5.30 to 6.00. And without further ado, this is an interview with Jillian Bell, who is the actress and executive producer of a film called Brittany Runs a Marathon. Uh, I'm also sitting down with the writer-director of this film. His name is Paul Downs Calazo. And please enjoy and please support this film. I know we say that about a bunch of films, but I really love this film. Um, so uh, here's the interview. Welcome to Bitch Talk, booze and interviews straight from the heart of San Francisco. This is Aaron. We are in a very special area of the city. It's called the uh, Ritz-Carlton Hotel. Um, if you follow this podcast and listen, that usually means we are interviewing some really cool folks. I have an uh, actress, executive producer, and currently in the Hemispheres magazine, actress <laughs> Jillian Bell. You don't want to know why I know that. And uh, <laughs> we also have writer-director Paul Downs Calazo of the film Brittany Runs a Marathon. And reader of Hemispheres magazine. And also a current <laughs> jogger, right? Is that what you're talking about? I, it's not jogging. It's like that high intensity training thing. I don't really know the cross training. You like get on the treadmill, you jog, then you go at seven, then you go at seven point five, then you go at eight, and then you go at twelve point five for thirty seconds, and then down to walking pace, and then back to twelve point five. <laughs> and then they make you do like ab work in the middle. Yeah, or and right? then they make you be very dangerous with your joints for twelve minutes, cool. and yeah. you look lazy and sloppy, and you're like walk out of there, and you're like, oh, kick my ass. I've done berries before. And yes, I was shaking. Yeah, it's pretty it. incredible. It feels intense. It is yeah, intense, it is. and it's great. And your body's like, is it? <laughs> 5 a.m.? Yeah. Yes. Like, yes, it is. <laughs> Wake up. Yes, it is. Um, I, I wanted to speak with you first about um, the film, obviously, and your personal story with it, Paul, and if you can expand for the audience about this film. Sure. I mean, it started, it started on a couch, and it started on a kitchen floor, having a conversation with my friend Brittany O'Neill, who was uh, my roommate in my mid-20s. We'd met in college. We, went, we studied drama at NYU together, and we just always like making each other laugh and she was an expert at turning everything into a joke uh, but we were trying to figure out I think as a lot of people are in their 20s what's the road ahead look like and how can I have a little bit of control over that and why is my life right now not indicative of the future I'm hoping to have so out of a very vulnerable conversation she decided to start running and she went for her first run and I thought well this might be a movie this might be a movie. Somebody who is so uh, uh, joyfully clownish and fun and funny mm -hmm. uh, and ironic, mm -hmm. suddenly looking to earnestly pursue a goal or an ambition and and change her life. 
and stop being the sidekick in our own story, which was something I related to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I started outlining. Cool. And Jillian, why was this story for you when you read it? I was looking for something different and uh, trying to get out of my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. I really love doing comedy and and I thought, you know, let's switch it up though. And uh, my manager was on the look and she sent me this script and she said, I think you're going to fall in love with this, but I think you're going to re- read the first 10 pages and be nervous. Mm. Um, maybe about its intentions, because a lot of times people get this kind of story wrong. Right. And, <laughs> uh, and, and she said, but keep reading. You're going to fall deeply in love. And that's what happened. I, I read it and I laughed and cried and, and I, you know, met up with Paul and we both sort of had that moment of like, what are your intentions with my daughter? And because we were <laughs> very protective of, of Brittany and the movie and what we were saying. And we both were on the same page and just agreed to constantly be having creative conversations about every single line about the film. And I just felt like I was in the right hands. And when did you end up meeting Brittany? I didn't end up meeting Brittany until we were shooting. Mm -hmm. Uh, We were shooting a pretty emotional scene and she came to set and I was instantly like, are you okay? How are you doing? I just wanted to make sure she was she was all right because that can be an interesting thing to walk into. Is you know a lot of these scenes though aren't based on her real life. Literally, it's, no scene in the movie is a recreation of something that happened in real life. Oh, okay. Interesting. It started with the idea of her emotional arc okay. and this character who uses humor as a shield and as deflection and has been relegated to the role of a sidekick, mm-hmm. sort of stepping into her own. Uh, and it was um, you know I was able to borrow milestones from her life to put into our Britney's journey. Uh, but it was never, you know, this is Britney, that my real friend is Britney O'Neill and, and this character is Britney Forglund. It was important that I have the artistic liberty to go out and create a story and a character that had its own arc uh, for an audience so that we could tell the story fully. Uh, and so that it wasn't, you know, I wasn't doing a biopic of my friend. I was right. really inspired by what she was deciding to do with her life. And it was important for Jillian to then, you know, be able to own the character as her own. Yeah. And can you talk about, um, the, the main, one of the main threads of the story is friendships and relationships. Mm-hmm. Was that more about your relationship with Brittany or again, was it outside stories that you were kind of bringing in? But, but loosely not too personal? Partially. I mean, my into writing this was my, tra- my transformation is a strong word, but my <laughs> decision to come out as a gay guy and, and when I was 23. And that, when I started to be authentic and honest and stopped hiding behind a shield that mm. I had up that was mm. really sort of, I was, you know, uh, I was uh, hiding behind the patriarchy in a lot of ways. Right. I was ho- clinging on to that identity as a source of power and, a, and, and protection. And, you know, sort of having enough of that and realizing that my circle of friends was changing as I was mm-hmm. being more myself. And, I, I, you know, I had a friend who I remember he would always come over to my apartment and I would remember every time he left, I thought, every time you're here, I spend the whole time trying to make you feel better about yourself and you spend the whole time trying to make me feel worse about myself. Mm-hmm. And I thought, this is not a friendship. And I, you know, stopped talking to him. And it was necessary for my growth. Boundaries. Boundaries and self-respect and investment in time, you know, investment of time. What, who did I want to invest in? I want, I, you know, you want to give and you want, you want to be fed. Mm-hmm. And so you need to find a balance in relationships where you can do both. And so for me, a lot of my early 20s was figuring out how to unlearn everything I'd learned growing up in a conservative, religious mm-hmm. Georgia 
environment and sort of recreating my rubric for fulfillment. Mm -hmm. And I think we're always still doing that. I think we're all still doing that all the time. But part of that is about relationships and part of that is who you share to connect with. It's interesting too, because I thought that was sort of a late twenties thing. Like I just went through that. I'm in my mid thirties now, but I, I, say, I thought it was a thirties thing. But that's what I found out after we screened this film. It was that everybody, I mean, we were having people, women and men coming up to us at the age of 70 or 80 and they're like, I'm still dealing with right. it. I'm still trying to figure out how to get rid of people who don't want to root me on. Yeah. yeah. We thought we were doing a story really. I mean, I thought my emotional end was, my experience, but that ultimately on its surface, people who would connect with this film were millennial women <clears throat> who felt like they'd gone through a similar journey. But like, as we've been going around the country, even right from Sundance, but like specifically like in Greenwich, Connecticut, so many men came up to me. So many men who work in finance came up to me and they were like, I've been doing this life because I thought this is what I was supposed to do. Yeah. And I got married and I never wanted to get married and I had kids and I never wanted to have kids, but it was just the role that I was assigned and I've just been doing it because that's what society tells me to do. And so there's sort that's of a this, lot to take on. Yeah. And <laughs> those, you just sort of wow, nod. Those kids. I are, hope those I kids are okay. Uh, well, I think that happens a lot. People yeah. start living. Yeah. They, they live the yeah. life that they think that they're supposed to live and they feel that going against that is too scary. Mm-hmm. But the movie explores the sort of fuck that attitude at the idea is we can all write the role we want. We can be the leads in our own story and it can be whatever fucking story we want. Yeah. And what are our own values and what do we want for our lives? Right. That's, yeah. that's a cool thing to walk away from a movie having to feel. Yeah. Yeah. We want the audience to think about their own lives when they leave. And they do. I was bawling. Like I looked at my two friends at the same time and we were just like bawling our faces. Aww. I was like, Oh my God, I love this movie. <laughs> um, Jillian, I wanted to talk about, um, kind of what is it like to talk publicly about your body on and off screen because it's a thing and and we saw it in the Q&A last night it is a thing yeah. I actually just wrote an article for Glamour magazine they approached me about writing anything about anything I wanted to and I sort of just was like I want to talk about body image and I want to talk about it in a different way because this movie really inspired me I I sort of you know, I I wasn't horrible to myself, but I I would say make a joke before I thought someone else would say something, or I would put myself down, or look at myself in a different light if I didn't fit into a pair of jeans that I did two months before. Right. Yep. And so or the night before, yeah, or the <laughs> night before, it yeah, could be. Frankly. Really, yeah. our bodies change so much, mm-hmm. and uh, I just wrote this article talking about how when I look back at old pictures, sometimes I would be so critical of who I was throughout my journey. And I just thought, especially as women, but men too, we have a lot of bodies. And I thought that was interesting to talk about of like how sometimes when we're our happiest, we're heavier or thinner. It doesn't matter, but it's, you know, we look back and we have such judgment, judgment about ourselves. And I'm just tired of that. And so it was just discussing basically like, we're going to have all these different bodies and let's celebrate at all stages. How would that feel? Yeah. Yeah. It's very powerful. Um, Paul, uh, I, you, you really got to the heart and soul of a woman. I just, I, I really felt it. And the moment that I felt it, and that's when we started crying all collectively, three of us in the, in the audience, it was the line of, it was nice to be a woman for once. I'm going to cry now. <laughs> Where did that come from? I loved that line. You know, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, I noticed how the world changed my when that changed the way that it acted towards my friend Brittany as she was losing weight. And it was different and it was exciting and it was sad because 
she was feeling seen and I thought, what a shame. <laughs> Sorry, it's early. We've no, been on a I, press tour. I'm it, crazy. No, I'm not affected, crazy. That's an unfortunate affect, thing. Yeah, it affected me last night and it just it stuck with me. And I, and, and, and I saw how it was easy to get swept up in the idea of the being valued by men. For nothing more than how you look. And the door holding thing didn't, I, I don't remember that happening with real Britney's story as sort of a marker. But I remember in writing the story, just the simple, the simple gesture of somebody thinking to hold the door for you, that you deserve the door to be held for you. And that when she feels like she's going to gain the weight back, that simple validation of existence moments like that mm -hmm. of feeling like you're worth something that you're worth that somebody's looking out for you would feel gone because your value is gone now that you've re resorted back re reverted back to a look yeah. just a look feeling that your body seen. naturally goes to yeah it's it's so unfortunate it's really troubling yeah it's it, yeah it's have hard. You, I was going to say, have you felt that way in your career and or life? More in my it, personal life, I've gone through that. I, I, I'm lucky to have never been asked to lose weight for a role. I didn't, wasn't asked to lose weight for this role, but I just decided to take it on because I thought it would connect me to the character. And it did. Uh, but, you know, I noticed after I got home, I, I was... I, I wanted more people to be commenting on it or if someone didn't comment on it, what did that mean? And if someone did comment on it, it was sort of like, well, you, you think I look better in quotes? You know, I, 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 all, all layers of it, it's really complicated. Mm -hmm. And so I just, I'm trying to get to a place where I'm sort of like, I don't need any of it. It would have been nice if people were acknowledging it more on just the fact that it's hard work to lose that amount of weight. But when people would talk about, oh, you look really great now, or this is the weight you should be. It was one of my friends actually said that, which was unfortunate. And I had to talk to him about how, wow. how damaging that can be. Mm -hmm. It's all a conversation. And I think this film really sparks a lot of them. Yeah. I actually have a silly question to end on, so we're not crying. Sure. Um, <laughs> I noticed a lot of Mexican food throughout the film in New York, and we were literally just in New York, came off the plane on Monday night, and we kept talking about Mexican food in New York. It was so weird. And then it was in the film. I have to tell you, I have, that was not intentional, and okay. it was just Because <laughs> it was a lot, me. right? Yeah, it I just... think it's just me liking Mexican food. Like, I also like dogs. Oh, that's there right. Jerem eats a lot of Mexican food. There's yes. a lot of, there's you a... on the Mexican restaurant, date you eat tacos. Goes on yeah. Oh, that's date. true. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of Mexican food in my life, okay. and so <laughs> as I was bringing myself to this story, I wanted that to be represented. Well, I loved it, <laughs> <laughs> and it was it was just very timely. Cause we're like, why are there so many Mexican restaurants in New York? But then you brought Mexican food to the screen in New York. So it's authentic New York. It was my observation. It has nothing to do with my love for queso comido. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to thank you two so much for this film, and thank you so much for sitting down on Bitch Talk. Really thank you so thank much. You for Thanks having for having us. us. Of course, yeah. That was actress and executive producer Jillian Bell and writer-director Paul Downs Calazo of Britney Runs a Marathon. Please go see this film. It is one of my favorites of the year. I hope the rest of my Bitch Talk team gets to see it at some point. I'm really bummed that I wasn't here for this one because it was the one thing in Sundance that I was that I had hoped that we covered, but we it was just, we didn't get to it. But I had heard a ton of great things and won some awards at Sundance. And then when I heard from our friend John that it was coming through, 
um, I'm glad that one of us I'm got glad to do it. I was able to make it work. And uh, I actually took a friend of the show, uh, Derek Kosberg, to the screening and uh, a friend of hers. And there was a moment. The movie has everything in it. That's all I'm going to say. It has all the things. And there's a moment where we all looked at each other and we were sobbing. I was just like, about to say, did you cry? Yeah, our faces <laughs> were wet. Like, wet. Um, but it's such a, it's a great film for men and women. Please go support that movie. I think it's out everywhere at this point. If it's not, uh, it will be. Again, it's called Brittany Runs a Marathon, one of my favorites of the year. Please go support it. Please, please, please. Take your friends, take your mom, dad, whatever, cousins. Um, they'll really like it. So uh, don't forget, we're going to be at Cobb's Comedy Club this Sunday, September 8th. You can buy tickets at CobbsComedyClub.com. We are hosting a night called Really Funny Comedians Who Happen to Be Women, featuring Irene Too, Natasha Muse, Sandy Steck, and more, hosted by Chelsea Beers. Come come see us. Say hi. Grab drinks before, after, during, whatever. Um, but support your local comedians and your local podcast. Find us at BitchDogPodcast.com. Find us at BFF.FM every Monday from 5.30 to 6 a.m., we are powered by GoTo Productions, and we'll see you later. Bitch, please.